Wonderful. Great. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight from a few verses in Genesis. Thank you, bro. Before I do that, before I talk for a few minutes, can I just say that um, thank you for your hospitality and welcome, this church. As as, uh, as has been said, I was here for the Excel conference last week and back here today. And I travel a whole lot. I'm on the road about half my time. I go to lots of kinds of different churches, all different kinds of denominations, you know, from sort of very formal bells and smells kind of places, right through to kind of monster, raven, loony, scary places, sort of everything in between. And uh, you don't always get the kind of welcome you'd hope to get when you're on the road. But everybody here has been so kind. Everyone just smiles at you. And what do you need? Is there anything you need? And how can we help you? And so thank you very much for that. It's really appreciated. Makes life a lot easier when you're traveling. Let me read a few verses from Genesis chapter 37 and then just unpack a few thoughts tonight for a few minutes. Is that okay? Genesis 37 verse 12. Then his brothers, this is talking about Joseph. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, here I am. Then he said to him, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him. And there he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him saying, what are you seeking? So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here. For I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Just a few verses there. This evening I want to sort of unpack and talk about. And I was reading this whole account. I love the account of Joseph. It's a great story. If you want to understand your personal story in life, you have to unpack and unravel some of the biblical stories because they will give you clues to your personal story. I love the story of Joseph. And I was reading that whole account one day and I came across these few, look at that, water just appeared out of nowhere. Didn't even ask. That's brilliant. That's wonderful. Just, I'm just wondering what's next, like cud, cuddly toy, you know, whatever's going to come. You know, I was reading this account and I read those verses that I just read to you. And when I read those verses, I thought, well, what are they there for? Do you ever read parts of the Bible and they feel just like filler? You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's probably there for a reason, but it just feels like filler, you know? Like there's the real chunky bits that we all love to read and the promises and stuff. And then there's all the other stuff that we just go ask just kind of there to fill it out a bit, make it a bit bigger. Doesn't your life feel that way sometimes? Like there are all these important, significant moments. And then there are all these other days that are just filler days, right? Where God's not really up to much, right? Wrong. But you know what I mean? Just filler days. And you could read these verses. You could skip over them. But I want to suggest to you and try and convince you tonight that these are some of the most important verses in the Bible. The story of Joseph is is the story of destiny. It's the story of a man who God has got a plan and purpose for his life and he's trying to move him so he can use him. That's not just Joseph's story. That is all of our story. 
What God's trying to do with us is he's trying to move us to establish us so that he can use us. It's the story of destiny and it's the story of a dreamer. Joseph is a wonderful dreamer. He's a little bit big-headed. He's young. You know, he likes to show his dreams off to his family and stuff. But he's got a dream. And, you know, we all have dreams for our lives, don't we? His story is our story. You remember when you were a kid? The dreams you had for your life were always big dreams. You go and talk to a little child. You say, what do you want to be when you grow up? They always come up with great big answers. I want to be a doctor. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a ballerina. I want to, you know, I want to sell beauty products. And that's just the boys. The girls, the girls have dreams too. They're always big dreams. I I remember when I was a kid, I wanted to be a professional soccer player. That's what I wanted to do. And how many guys, you wanted to be a professional sportsman or something amazing. We have dreams. We live our lives with dreams. And what we're doing is we're searching for significance. That's what we're doing. We all want significance in our lives. That's what we long for. We want to get to the end of our lives and look back and believe that our lives mattered. That they counted for something. That we weren't just another number in a computer. That we weren't just another normal person who lived their life and then died. We want to feel deeply. We have this need to feel like our lives are significant and they matter. That feeling comes from God. God put that in you. Because he wants you to live a significant life. Amen? Your life does matter. What happens is as we get older, we start to realize I'm not intelligent enough to be an astronaut i'm not talented enough to be a soccer player not graceful enough to be a ballerina maybe i'm just normal maybe i'm not special maybe i'm not going to do anything great with my life maybe i'm just one of the normal ones right wrong god is trying to move joseph you see God will not magic your dream into being. God gives Joseph a dream, but in order for the dream to be fulfilled, he has to move Joseph. Move him out of his family's home. Move him out of the familiar, out of the comfortable. Move him to a strange place, a difficult place, to establish him, grow him, so he can use him. God is not in the business of magicking dreams. God had a dream to put the children of Israel into the promised land, but he didn't magic in there. They had to go there. They had to fight battles. They had to take on giants and take on fortified cities. But that was their dream. God didn't magic Goliath away. David had to stand up and fight the guy. Amen? Jesus didn't magic our sin away. He had to go to the cross and pay the price. And sometimes what we're doing is we're sitting around saying, well, I know God's got a plan for my life. I know he's got a destiny. And he'll just do it. He'll just do it. He'll just do it. I've got news for you tonight, my friends. He won't just do it. He wants to move you to establish you in order to use you. That's what God's doing here with Joseph. God wants to move Joseph. And so 
Joseph gets sent on an errand. That's how this little account begins. Joseph's running an errand for his father, going to check up on his brothers. And he goes down to this place called Shechem, and there's a problem. His brothers aren't there. Now, I don't know about you, if that was me, if I was on running an errand, dad had sent me to check on my brothers, go to Shechem, find your brothers, see if they're okay. If I got to Shechem and my brothers weren't there, you know what I would do? Go home. But listen, when Joseph leaves his house on this particular day, he's not coming back. He doesn't know it. He's not coming back. God has to get Joseph to Egypt. Now, most of you know this story. God has to get Joseph to Egypt because getting Joseph to Egypt is crucial for the survival of his people. God is going to cause Israel, the nation of Israel, to survive a coming famine by taking the whole nation into Egypt to protect them from a famine. So God has to move Joseph. He can't stay where he is and fulfill his dream. But there's a problem. Joseph is lost and he can't find his brothers. And it says here in this passage we just read in verse 15, a certain man found him wandering in the field. And the man asked him saying, what are you seeking? So he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they're feeding the flocks. And the man sends him to Dothan. Joseph gets to Dothan and God hooks him up with his brothers. God is going to get Joseph to Egypt one way or another. God's going to use a pretty unpleasant method actually to get Joseph there. He's going to use the method of betrayal to fulfill his purposes. Wouldn't it be nice if God just did everything in an easy way for us? Wouldn't it be nice if God just made it all easy and all comfortable and never a worry, never a hassle, never a giant to face, never a battle to win? But he doesn't. God's going to use the betrayal of Joseph's brothers. He's going to use that to get Joseph to his destiny, to get him to Egypt. When he's in Egypt, things aren't going to go very well for him either. He's going to be... This, the senior servant, as you would, if you want to call it that, senior slave, Potiphar's house. And then he's going to get falsely accused of a crime he didn't commit. And God's in all of that. He's going to get, end up in jail, in prison. And through some encounters in prison, he's going to come to the attention of the most powerful man in the nation. God's working all of this stuff out. But it's not easy. But God is at work. At the end of the story, Joseph said, God intended this for good. I want to suggest to you that just because you're fighting a battle, just because you're facing a giant, does not mean God's abandoned you. Just because life isn't going easy for you right now, doesn't mean that God's not in control. He is moving you to a new place in your life. Sometimes God moves us, literally, physically moves us, doesn't he? Moves you to a new town, new country. Some of us have experienced that. In order to use us the way he wants to use us. Maybe though God just needs to move you to a new place in your marriage. To establish you so he can use you. 
Maybe God just needs to move you to a new place in your ministry. A new place in him. He can establish you in that new place so that he can use you the way he wants to use you. Maybe God has to move you to a new place in your attitude. I know nobody here ever has an attitude problem. In England, sometimes we have attitude problems. Let me give you four real quick things. Real quick things. How does God get his work done? Number one, God gets his work done, number one, on normal days. On normal days. This is just a normal day for Joseph. He got up that morning, had his Cocoa Pops for breakfast. It's just a normal day. Checked his email. His father sends him on an errand, right? It's just a normal day. As far as he's concerned, he's coming back again. God's at work on this normal day. This certain man who points Joseph in the right direction, for him it's just a normal day. This guy gets up, has his breakfast, certain man, we don't even know his name. It's a normal day for him. He's just taking the dog for a walk or whatever. Do you do that in America? Take your dogs for a walk? That's what he's doing. It's a normal day. But God's at work in all of this, isn't he? Do you remember that song? I remember when I was a kid, a movie came out called Annie. You remember Annie? Little red-headed, cute little thing. And she had a song. It went like this. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet you bought a dollar that tomorrow. And all the cast joined in. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow. That's a stupid song. <laughs> You're only a day away. Duh. Can I say to you this real quickly tonight? Too many Christians are singing, the sun will come out tomorrow. You're only a day away. I mean, pretty soon, something amazing is going to happen in my life. Pretty soon, I'm going to get into this destiny thing. Pretty soon, God's going to start using me. It's tomorrow. Revival's coming, but it's never today. It's always, revival's coming when? Tomorrow. I've lived my whole life being told revival's coming tomorrow. But what about today? We need to get back to that song. This is the day that the Lord has made. That's what we need to get back to. Today is the day of salvation. Stop looking for a perfect tomorrow. It ain't going to come. It ain't going to happen. Oh, Pastor Steve, I know I really need to. I know God's calling me to pray more. I'll start tomorrow. Oh, Pastor Steve, I know I really need to get in the Word. I've been a Christian for 20 years and I've never read the whole Bible. I'm really going to start tomorrow. Oh, Pastor Steve, I know I need to serve the church and in ministry, but right now I'm busy and I've got problems. And When all my busyness goes away and all my problems go away, I'll start serving the church tomorrow. Tomorrow will never come for you. You'll live your whole life waiting for a perfect day that will never come. You know, the Bible says that he that waits for perfect conditions never gets anything done. So we need to start living our life with our eyes open today, with our heart engaged today. How does God want to use me today? This certain man has no idea. We don't even know his name. But this certain man is going to be used in an incredible way to send Joseph to his destiny. I'm glad somebody's living their life with their eyes open today. 
This guy looks up, he sees a guy wandering around in the field, lost, got a multicolored tunic on. And he approaches him and asks him an important question. What are you looking for? Powerful question. When you ask somebody what they're looking for. And he's able to point Joseph to his destiny. And I bet this certain man went home that night and sat down, had dinner with his wife. And his wife said, how was your day, honey? And he said, oh, not bad. It's okay. Anything special happened? Anything amazing happened today? No, just a normal day. Just one of those filler days. But this certain man has no idea. He has been used to help God get Joseph to Egypt. He's a link in God's story. And he probably doesn't even know it. You might never know how God is using you as a link in his story until you get to heaven. We need to start embracing today. Number two, I'm not going to get these done, but I'll just get through them as quick as I can. Number two, God's will is done not only on normal days. It's also done through unseen, unrecognized action. You know, you could take a Bible quiz and you could say, who was the guy? Who helped get Joseph to his destiny? What was he called? A certain man. What would he, I mean, at least the Bible could have put his name down. You know, he's Fred. Man, can't he get a little bit of credit around here? God is doing his work all over the world through nameless, faceless, unheard of people. And we are hugely important to his plans and purposes. I love Exodus 17. I love it. Exodus 17 is another account where, where the children of Israel are facing the Amalekites. And you know this story. Joshua is down there in the valley fighting the fight. And Moses takes Aaron and her up on the mountain. So they're up there on the mountain. And you remember Moses is interceding over the battle. And every time he holds his hands up in prayer, Joshua is winning the battle against the Amalekites. But when his arms get tired... They start losing the battle. And Aaron and her start a whole new ministry. Armpits. <laughs> well, what are you, what are you, Aaron and her? What are you, what are you? Are you like, you know, prophets or pastors? Or what, are, what are you? What's your title? I don't know. Today we're armpits. That's what we're doing today. We're going to spend the whole day staring into Moses' sweaty armpit. That's what we're doing. Whatever it takes to get the job done. And the Bible says, at the end of the battle, when the children of Israel won, that Joshua won a great victory. Hey, hey, I mean Joshua. I mean Joshua won a great victory. What about Moses? I could just about, I imagine Aaron up there on the mountain. Hang on a minute. I mean Joshua. We spent the whole day. Man. What about me, Aaron? What about him, her? Don't we get any kind of mention? No? Don't we at least get a write-up in the church bulletin or something? Can't you at least take a picture, put us on the website? Something. Oh, friends, we have to get to a place where it doesn't matter if anybody knows what we've done. 
It doesn't matter if our names get recognized. It doesn't matter what our title is. We don't have titles. We are people who are servants of the Most High God. We're getting the job done on normal days. Number three, God's work gets done through authentic lives. Let me just touch on this real quick, real, really quick. Why did Joseph listen to this certain man? Why listen to him? I mean, this is just hearsay. The guy says, I heard them say that they've gone down to Dothan. There has to be something about this man that's believable. He's a believable person. Something about him that is trustworthy. Something about this man that Joseph can take seriously. I have a question for you tonight, friends. How seriously can people take you as a signpost to point them to their destiny in life? Can they take you seriously? We were driving up to Virginia and back to, from Virginia this last weekend, and I followed the signpost. You know why? Because they were the real deal. They were authentic. I didn't have to question them. I just trusted them. You know, whenever I saw a sign that said, Hi, uh, Interstate 85, I didn't go, Ooh, Is it really 85? I'm not sure. Maybe they're trying to trick me. I don't know if I can trust this sign. Didn't even think about it. It looks like the real deal. It looks authentic. It's trustworthy. It's pointing me where I need to go. What about you? It says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul talks about the genuineness of your faith. The genuineness of our faith. You know, you can go into to stores now and buy all kinds of jeans, can't you? All kinds of jeans. When I was a kid, you could only buy one pair of jeans. One, just one, they were blue. Jeans were blue. That was it. Right, and, and your size. That was it. Dark blue jeans, your size. And if you wanted to have character, you had to wear them and wash them and wear them and wash them and work in them and, and rip them and wear them. And, and finally, you'd break them in and they would get some character and they would become your favorite pair of jeans. You remember? We don't live in that world anymore. We want instant character. So now we just go to the store and buy a pair of jeans that look like they've got a story to tell, but they're fake. They've not lived a day of history. They've not fought a battle. They've not done a day of work. They look like the real deal, but they're fake. I was in a store the other day, Abercrombie and something, Finch or something like that. Is that right? And they had caps to wear. $20, these caps, and they looked about 20 years old. They had holes in them and sweat marks and things and oil stains. and These caps look like they've got a story to tell, but they don't. They're fake. You know what a big problem is in the world today is Christians who look like they've got a story to tell, look like they've got some character about them, but it's fake. They say the right words at the right time. They've learned how to work the thing, work the church service, so that everybody around them thinks they're the genuine thing. Brennan Manning said this, the biggest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge God with their lips and then walk out and deny Him with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. But I'm done because I've run out of time. But Paul says, again, 
He goes on to say in the next verse, after talking about the genuineness of our faith, he says, stir up the gift that's in you. If you and I are going to be authentic, authentic signposts, we've got to be who we really are. I grew up in the Assemblies of God. I hold my ministerial status for the Assemblies of God. But I for a long time thought that I had to be a kind of Assembly of God cutout figure in order for me to be accepted as an Assembly of God minister. Does that make sense to anybody? You know what I'm talking about. That I talk in a certain way, act in a certain way, dress in a certain way. And you know what? I just spent a long time in my ministry being uncomfortable. Because it's just not me. And I meet so many Christians who, they're not you, you're not you. You're somebody else. And it's confusing. You know, every year they give out the Academy Awards. Don't they, in Hollywood? Best actors and actresses in the world. They get it wrong every year. You want to find the best actresses and actors in the world? Come to church. Because we got it down, man. We know how to act. There's this magic piece of ground outside the front of the church building, you know. When your life's a mess, everything's going wrong, you just had an argument with your spouse on the way to church, and you walk on the magic piece of ground, and everything changes. How are you doing this morning, Brother Steve? Oh, well, praise the Lord, Brother Fred. I'm, hallelujah. Just in the victory, in the victory. Hallelujah, Brother Fred. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. You liar. Let's get some authenticity in our lives. Stir up the gift that's in you. You are something. You don't have to be what you're not. Be what you are. You know, American Idol. I love American Idol. I love the auditions, don't you? An American Idol. You know, these people, they, they look like something, don't they? I mean, they look like a pop star. And you think, wow, they're going to be good. They are going to be amazing. And they get interviewed on the way in. And the interviewer says, what are you going to do with your life? You see, we're all searching for significance, aren't we? We've got a dream, haven't we? What are you going to do with your life? Well, I just know this is what I'm going to do in my life. I'm just called to do this. I'm called to be a pop star and famous. And, da, 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 da. and then they make a big mistake. They start to sing. I mean, they were doing pretty good at convincing us up until that point. And it soon becomes apparent there isn't a gift in them to stir up at that point, is there? I mean, I'm sure there is, but it's probably in the field of medicine. Or construction. Or administration. Or one of the myriad of important jobs that need to get done in the kingdom, amen? I'm out of time totally. I've run over time five minutes. I'll probably get shot by the pastoral staff team. Pray for me. Sorry? Number four is this. Okay, real quickly. Real quickly. Become God's provision. Stop waiting for it. Let me explain that. Joseph's story is a story of provision. Joseph is provision. He is provision. He's provision for a famine that's coming. He's the provision. God's providing Egypt and Israel with Joseph. The certain man is provision. Joseph is lost. Do you know what Joseph needs when he's wandering around that field? He doesn't need a thousand dollars. He doesn't need a new house. He needs direction. 
He needs someone to come alongside and be God's provision in his life. One of the things we do, we do it really well in the West, is sit around waiting for God to be our provision for us. Instead of waking up in the day and saying, God, let me be your provision today for somebody else. Make me provision. And when you pray that, listen, God is going to meet your needs. God will bless you. But he'll bless you to be a blessing. He will meet your needs so that you can meet some other need. He'll give to you if he knows he can give through you to some other need. So stop sitting around waiting for God's provision and start to become God's provision. There's always somebody who needs God's provision and you might be the answer. Amen. Let's stand together and pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here tonight. Lord, I've tried in my own stumbling way to open up the word tonight. And I just pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for each of us that we will be men and women who know what it is to live destiny on normal days. Lord, we're not sitting around waiting for something to magically happen in the future. But we know how to get out of bed today and live today with our eyes open. With our ears open to the voice of the Spirit. That we'd live today to be human signposts that point other people to their destiny. That we live authentically the life you've made us to live today. That we would be, seek to be your provision to a broken world today. Lord, I pray that there would come a sense of significance rising up within us. That we're more than just people with needs and problems. We are people of destiny and significance So help us to live that way, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody stay.